0: Welcome to another episode of Just a Moment with Indy, the podcast where we gain confidence and clarity one episode at a time. And now, here's your host. Hi, you guys, this is Indy, and I want to welcome you back for another episode. Thank you for joining me. So, Uh, We've been in the garden for a while. (laughs) We've been talking about all the different angles of Adam and Eve and the serpent and the garden and the trees and what they mean and all of that. So this week we are rounding the corner and we're coming to the end of the conversation. Um, And, you know, I thought about it, it would be typical to, you know, just hit the consequences or the curse that got pronounced as a result of Adam and Eve's um, decision. But, you know, then I started just really like looking at it and looking at the previous episodes that we've discussed and um, I didn't want to gloss over one really important um, aspect of this story or this account, and that's the presence of God. Uh, I think sometimes that gets glossed over and we go right from Adam and Eve and the serpent, you know, getting his whole um, highlight. And then it's the you did this, no, you did that. And then we are introduced to God as this judgmental and harsh and you're banished to the wilderness um, type of thing and you know yes God um, you know he definitely had to do what he had to do based on the choices that Adam and Eve made but what's important to really if we can look deeper is that not so much what God did or what he said, but really if we kind of um, like take the magnifying glass and if we were to hold it up really close to the pages of this account, this story, we would um, undoubtedly begin to see something that's right there in the fibers of this story, and that's the heart of God, um, how He feels about us, um, and I use the word feel because that's a human emotion and, and God does not feel anything, which is the reason why it was necessary for Jesus to go through, to come to earth in human form so that he can experience our human experience, right? Being born, um, in a flesh and blood woman and, and going through the process of, of labor, you know, being birth and, you know, the whole, uh, being out there in the stable with the animals. And, and so that can kind of speak to, you know, abandonment and homelessness. And so he went through every experience that Jesus went through as he walked the earth was to give him that human experience, right? Because once, Jesus died on the cross, and then God raised him from the dead, and he ascended to be back with the Father. Um, the scripture talks about um, how he's um, sitting with God uh, in the heavenly places, and he's ever making intercession intercession for us on our behalf. He's constantly, um, it's almost like if we were to put it in English or, or everyday language, it's almost like he's interpreting in a way to God, um, God who he, you know, he doesn't have feelings. He doesn't have emotions. Um, so pain and disappointment and discouragement and, um, you know, frustrations and depression, all of those things, those feelings and emotions, Jesus experienced those. And when we pray to God and we say, I'm depressed, I'm sad, help me, I need help. I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to go. Um, All of those kind of prayers, then um, that's how it's translated in a way to God. So when I say how God feels about us, Um, It's not in the literal sense, but that God created us. um, When he talked about that in Genesis 1 and 26, let us make man in our own image, uh, which was the the image of spirit, not flesh. Flesh didn't come until he took from the dust and created Adam. And that was in the second chapter. But when he said, let us make man in our own image, he's speaking in terms of spirit. Spirit, which is where the power um, of God is. That's who God is, and that's what He put into us. And so, um, to not be with God, uh, or, or to have any kind of separation from God, um, it 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 makes Him feel at a loss. Uh, is the best way to explain it in human feelings terms. Um, so, uh, I I wanted to really take a look at that whole aspect of a loving God before we just immediately go into the your curse to the ground and and you shall have enmity. Uh, before we get to that part of God, which is is truly God, um, let's look at the love that the father has for us okay so a couple of things i just want to just put on the table so that we can understand um this whole um sin and listening to the serpent and all of that just just for some clarity a couple of points one god was aware the entire time, nothing caught him off guard with this whole situation. Um, the serpent didn't sneak into the garden, and God didn't know. And he turned around, he was like, Oh, where'd you come from? <laughs> that never happened. God was fully aware and he was fully present the entire time of the account between the serpent and Eve choosing her, making a choice. And then giving to Adam and Adam making a choice to receive from Eve and all of that being out of order. We talked about that last week, how it was uh, out of order or the week before. And then sin entering the garden. So God was fully present and fully aware, which helps us to understand in our own life that although we might go through difficult times, um, we go through... Um, God forgives us of the act of sin, but there may be some consequences that sometimes result um, in our life that we have to go through a season and some of those consequences last for a lifetime. Um, But either way, God is still with us, right? So Um, We have to really, really be careful not to judge people or judge circumstances. Being on the outside looking in, we see someone going through a hard time uh, or even we deduce our hard time to meaning we're being punished by God or there was something wrong that we did that it, it does not always denote to that we can fully go through things and God still be with us. In the story of Joseph, Joseph was chosen. um, for this specific destiny however the path that God allowed him to take um, at every turn he was going through something um, that to us may we may have been like wow you know Joseph has done nothing and he's still going through this Um, but at each turn of trouble Uh, the Bible continuously, um, kind of affirms us or reminds us that God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. And that's how it is with, with you and I, if we go through something, it doesn't mean God has left us, but, uh, we have to, what my grandmother calls, look for the lesson. Um, what, what is the gift that, that, that event, um, came to bring us and i not deducing the impact you know and trauma and evil uh, of some of the circumstances we've gone through. I don't want to deduce that, but what I'm saying is that I know that the scripture tells us that all God causes all things to work together for the good of them who loves the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So even when the enemy tries to bring or circumstances come in and it feels like evil, it feels like we um, God has left us, we we um, we're encouraged in the faith to try to um, you know definitely go and talk to God and 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 cling to Him during those hard times to get His perspective and His strategy of how to get out. Um, but then also we we don't have to be discouraged because God can use even that to bring about good or ultimate good in our life right or in the life of others the second thing is god allowed satan in the garden so again satan didn't sneak into the garden god was fully aware and he allowed satan in the garden Um, and then he also allowed the tree that was forbidden um He allowed that tree to be in the garden, and what that did was it provided an opportunity for Adam and Eve to make a choice. And so the same with temptation or or things that are in our life. You know, God is not going to constantly don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. But He gives us instructions. He gives us uh, parameters. He gives us what's good and what's not good. And and we learn that in the Bible. It's our responsibility to read the Bible. God put it all in there. Um, And it's still relevant for us this day. But it's our responsibility to read the Bible and to ask God for understanding and to um, ask for wisdom and to apply it to our life. None of that is God's responsibility. That's ours. So if we choose not to, we choose to uh, rebel against God and decide that, you know, my money or my status or my intellect, um, you know, who I'm with or what I'm doing or the fact that you know all of these people are heralding my name Um, if we choose to go that way and put our trust and confidence in that then when the storm comes right and that foundation begins to shift um, we can't then point our finger and blame God for the evil that has come because God gives us choice he gives us a decision. And I don't know if I said that at the top, but that's this episode is decisions. So he gives us choice. He gives us a decision. And because evil is is present in the world, we see these evil things that take place in the world. And it's not because we don't have a loving, caring God. We actually do. But he gives us a free will to choose and if we're not following the things of God the, the the precepts and things that are in his Bible if we don't believe in the Bible or we don't really spend time reading consistently reading the Bible and applying that to our life then yes we, we are of a sinful nature outside of God the only thing that holds the hand of God is I'm sorry, the only thing that holds our hand, our mind, our our habits, is the will of God. That's what holds our hand. And how do we learn the will of God? And And that's through the Bible. And then how do it begin to manifest in the way we live our life? And that's in us implementing. That's all our responsibility. So when we see instruction... Where God will say, uh, "Let not your heart be troubled." Um, that's in uh, John fourteen one, I believe. Let not your heart be troubled. Or He says, "Choose life." You know, I, I set before you life and death. Choose life, um, or don't eat from the tree in Genesis, or you know. Um, uh, you know be anxious for nothing all of those are forms of instruction which means that's your responsibility that's not God's part so like he says um uh let's say Philippians 4 he says to be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication let your requests be made known right and then it goes on to say the peace of god that surpasses understanding it will guard your heart and your mind so as you make the choice to to not to be anxious About anything, but to pray about everything, that's your part of the instructions. God's not going to make you do that. He's not going to override it, right? But then it says, as you do that, as you follow your part, you make the choice or the decision to do your part of the instructions, then you can be confident that I will give you the peace that surpasses all understanding, and it's going to guard your heart and your mind, and that word guard kind of wants to indicate uh, that maybe you'll still, the anxiety may still be there, or the thing that is causing you to be anxious may still linger, but my peace Is sufficient to get you through that thing. And it's going to guard not only your mind, but your heart, Um, not your physical heart, but that heart place, your inner man, where you kind of get signals of which way to think, believe, feel all of that. Right. So that's why. part of, you know, what we're doing here on this platform is to learn how to understand the promises that are in God's word and and how to really read it intentional and not skip over those words because we're so used to quoting that scripture, but to really look at it and get into those fibers of God's word so that we can understand fully, so that we can follow fully, so that we can stay in the rest and the care of God. So Joshua 24, Um, 13 through 14a it says I gave you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. And so, yes, this is in Joshua. We're talking about Genesis. But I love this scripture because it conveys that, you know, I provide generously for you. I, I prepare this place for you, you know, to for Adam and Eve. He set up this garden. He took the time to meticulously, you know, the stars and the days and the time and the you know how the garden would be irrigated and and the flowers and the trees and the animals and all of those things he prepared ahead of time before he even brought um, the physical Adam and Eve into the garden, which, you know, is giving us that loving, caring side of him that he didn't have Adam and Eve there in the dust. <laughs> you know, you, you go by those construction sites, it's like pardon our dust. Um, he didn't have them there. Uh, trying to figure out how are we going to eat or how are we going to this how are we going to that he had everything prepared for them because that's how much you know these are our examples of how much God loves us and he he cares about every detail of our life and so um what it it came down to was and we talked a little bit about it last week is that You have to make a decision. Choose the tongue. Tongue meaning the tongue in your mouth. Choose the tongue you'll receive from. Which tongue are you going to receive? So it's like choose you this day who you'll serve, right? You can't serve two masters. You can't work um, simultaneously at two jobs during the same work hours, right? You got to decide which tongue you will receive from. And so last week week we were introduced to the forked tongue of the serpent and that it was divided. Um, And then what I want to talk about, highlight a little bit more this week is the sound tongue of God. And so, when you think of something that's sound, you think about you know sound like music or noise or something dropping the sound right but then also, sound can mean like. St- stable, like well-established, consistent, not changing, right? So a sound. Um, in, in some places of the Bible, it talks about having um, sound vision. It talks about having sound hearing. Um, it also talks about in the scripture, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us power, love, and a sound mind, right? So that's that stable, unable to be moved, the inability of movement, so in Genesis verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 8, it says the sound of the Lord God was walking in the garden, right? One sound, the sound of the Lord God. And so, you know, it might make you ask the question, how can a sound walk? <laughs> and if God is spirit, how does a spirit walk? Uh, well, we go over to John, the book of John, chapter 1, verse 1. And it tells us that in the beginning, so that's in Genesis, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this scripture is referring to Jesus. Jesus is the Word. So in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God, because we know they're all, they're one and the same. So In verse 8, where it talks about the sound of the Lord God, if Jesus is the word, and word, when when I speak words, you hear me speak a sound, right? The sound of God is his word, and that's Jesus. So as Jesus came walking through the garden, we know that um, in John 10.10, Jesus says that, you know, I've come that you may have life and may have it abundant. So Jesus is life. He's truth. He's the way. He's love. He's the good shepherd. Like he is the one that we can settle into. Right. But then let's go over and let's look at the forked tongue creature, which is the serpent, which is Satan infusing himself into the serpent. So the forked tongue we learned last week is, is deception. Um, and it's it's divided. The tongue in a serpent is physically divided. And, and we talked about that last week, how it gives it um, the ability to sniff out its prey. That's one thing. And then two, um, the ability to Convey two separate messages at the same time versus what we read about the sound being one, being solid. So the forked tongue being divided for the purpose of deception, or you have division. So divided. Division, But if you break up that word division, it's division. It's a multiple vision where God has one vision. You know, he says, I know the plans I have for you. That's in Jeremiah 21, um, where Satan, he has the scheme to kill, steal and destroy. Right. So um, he's saying one thing, but he's meaning another. And so. We have to make the choice what tongue we are going to receive from. Eve made the choice to receive from the tongue, the forked tongue of the enemy, instead of remaining stable in the sound tongue of God and his instructions and the relationship that they, they had with him. And um, so when they made that choice, the, the consequences came because they chose to follow lies, L-I-E-S, instead of following life, L-I-F-E, which is found in the instructions and the fellowship with God. So we know that Satan is a liar and he's masterful at using our indecisiveness to create double mindedness. So he came to Eve and the reason he came to Eve is not because she's the weaker sex. But because she did not, clearly we learned, she did not have the full understanding of what the instructions were uh, that God gave Adam about not eating from the tree. Because she did not, if you go back and you really look at what God told Adam about the tree versus what Eve conveyed to Satan, she added a few other words and interpretations of that. Um, that instruction from God, and so she was. It denotes her being indecisive, like it not fully solid in her choice and her understanding. And so that's how the enemy is able to come in and and weave his lies and 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 be crafty in deceiving us because he can get in there and play that word trick. And if he can get us to engage with him long enough, then he knows he's got us. So in everyday terms, when the enemy comes and, you know, you 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 made a bad decision or something didn't go right with your business meeting or, you know, the, the washing machine broke down or you know, there was some issue with the car or you found out, you know, someone got into your bank account, uh, any number of things you made a mistake and it, it triggered, you know, old memories of someone, you know, constantly telling you you're dumb or you're not worth this or worth that or whatever. So that's where it's the indecisiveness. That's where that speaks to. And so the, the enemy is able to come in and weave his lies You know, well, if you made this mistake, how are you worthy of, of grace from God? You keep asking God, you keep making this same mistake. And you keep going back to God, you think God is going to keep, you know, wanting to hear you? Like, shouldn't you know this by now? Aren't you old enough? You know, you haven't learned your lesson by now you keep Going back to that same person, you know, you keep ending up at this place where you gotta borrow money. It's just any whatever he knows will work for you is the way he comes. He never comes as Satan. He's always, you know, Ephesians talks about um, we don't wrestle with flesh and but with flesh and blood, but we wrestle with the principalities and unseen places. Um, The enemy chooses to remain unseen because if he came to you as the enemy, he knows that we wouldn't entertain him. We we would recognize, oh, that's Satan. I'm not going to talk to him, engage with him because he's trouble. But if he's able to come unseen and twist and contort himself into a form that would not alarm you to engage with him, then that's what he's going to do. He sits and he watches and he calculates, and he schemes so Eve choosing to engage with the serpent indicated that he didn't alarm her he There was nothing about him coming approaching her, talking to her that that indicated she was alarmed she was afraid she was guarded she she actually just like. Lola, she was just like giving out all the information right and that's the same way he comes to us he comes to us as a family member a co-worker a boss right as um you know someone a neighbor that gets on our nerves uh he even comes as yourself and you ask how how can that be well he gets in your head and he puts thoughts but he makes it sound like it's your thoughts And so then you begin to say things like, I don't feel good. I don't, you know, I just, I don't feel, this is just not a good day for me. I'm not, you know, I'm just not myself today. Or this is driving me crazy. Or I feel so anxious. You know, I don't know why I'm so sad. I'm feeling like I'm depressed. When, when, when we proclaim those things, Satan knows the power Of our voice because our sound is the sound tongue of God, right? He breathed into Adam in the second chapter of Genesis when he created life. When God breathed into Adam, Adam came alive. So when we talk, when we release the sound, when we say things, we proclaim things, we declare things, right? Even when we think things, the scientifically, when we think certain thoughts, the, the, the brain, right, is convinced and, and I, I keep confusing the brain with the mind. It, it is convinced that it actually happens. So to have a thought, a negative thought, or a positive thought, it's your brain is convinced that that actually happened it actually occurred it's it's the equivalent it's no different from it actually happening versus you thinking about it happening so also when we speak because we have the sound of God when we speak into the atmosphere we have power and so the enemy does not have to uh he knows he can't touch us when we belong to God when we're in Christ and so what he does is he touches things to get us to speak to release the sound of God but we have to be able to spend time in the presence of God to be able to differentiate between what is the sound of God and what is the forked tongue of the enemy, the deceptor, who is trying to camouflage or imitate um, even our own thoughts or voices or emotions, right? So um, it speaks of double-mindedness. So it's that dual right that die vision that double mind and double mind you know that's James uh, 1 and 8 and so it's the opposing views at different times it's it's doubting so it's not doubting in the terms of um like testing the truth. Like someone comes to you and they're telling you something or they're trying to sell you or market you something and you're like, oh, something doesn't, you know, and then you start asking questions. So that's doubting for the purpose of like testing its truth, right? Like, um, you know, uh, believe or trust but verify. So it's not that, but doubting in the sense where we're talking about double mindedness. Is to hold on to the what conflicts with truth. So you have a a base definition of what is true, right? And then you're introduced to information that conflicts that truth okay and so you you don't release one and hold the other you hold both so you hold on to what was your original belief to be true but you also equally hold on and equally give power to the information that conflicts what you believe to be true so and it taught that kind of also lends to like a a cognitive dissonance right um so it's the doubting, it's the serving of two masters that we mentioned earlier, it's the wavering in conflict with self through your thoughts, your actions, and your behavior. And it's being led by flesh. It's kind of like um, you're being led in circles, right? And you never really go anywhere. You're repeating these cycles. It's like the dog chasing his tail. For as long as the enemy can keep you deceived, he can come in through your indecisiveness. through you're not really having a, a secure knowledge of who you are or what salvation really means for your life or what how God really feels about you. Um, what the truth of the Bible is that, you know, if you have any of those, those gaps, right, then he can come in and he can keep you repeating cycles. Because again, he can't touch you when you're in Christ, but he can touch the circumstances that will get you to react. And so you're led in circles. And if you're being led in circles, you will never go straight, and straight is the path that God has designed for us. You know, the scripture says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The Lord never orders us in cycles unless it's for uh, an intended purpose. Um, but just in general, as far as directive, um, the the indication of an enemy presence is that cycle, that repeated toxic harmful cycle that's not bringing a greater good to your life or to anyone else's right but then on the other side again we had john 10 and 10 i come that you may have life and you may have it abundantly again that may have life um, points to you you have a choice to have life I've done this thing, just like he gives us, you know, the instructions, guidance in the Bible. It's up to us to pick it up. May have life. I've given my son so that you can have life. My son died on the cross and I raised him from the dead with all power. And when you receive salvation, you have the option, the choice. You make the decision to choose salvation. So you may have life and you may have it abundantly depending on what you choose. So it's always a choice with God, right? Always a choice. Um, our confidence is in meditating day day and night on the word so again that's the sound tongue of god the sound of god walking through the garden meditating on it day and night um, which psalms one two through three says it plants us firmly so that's stability that's not the twisting and the turning of the experience of the fork tongue and so we're being spirit-led which yields fruit, growth, prosperity, and it speaks of a defined direction. You're not going in the circles, you're going in a defined um, direction, which again, you know, Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you of great success and an expected end. Um, those words, success, is movement, it's progress. Right, An expected end, which means there's a start and there's a finish line. So that's opposite of what the circle or the cycles of making the decision to listen to the forked tongue. So how do we know that double-mindedness is from Satan? Well, if we look at him, he is the ultimate example of double-mindedness. Mindedness, because he fully wants to be God while fully remaining Satan, he doesn't want to relinquish either one he wants both at the same time, although he can't have the position of God because God is God, but just as you know we looked at that that um, that double minded holding on to the thing that conflicts while also still holding on to. Um, the original truth that we beheld and so why is the decision that Adam and Eve made such a big deal why is it such a big deal it was just fruit right it was just it was just a tree it was just you know it was an innocent mistake you know why is it such a big deal well this is why it brought in separation from God due to the influence of sin Right, We talked about God does not have feelings and emotions. He is not sin. There's nothing sinful in him. He's not evil. He, he is incapable of doing evil. So then when evil came in, sin came in, it separated by its nature. It, it kind of like snatched them out of the spirit connection and it brought in separation because now they were more aware of their natural bodies than they were of their spirit connection with God as they walked naked and not ashamed they walked with God they were in the presence of God they were with God naked fully the whole time but there was no sin so there was no vulgarity or no separation your woman I'm man none of that they were one in God which is his intention for us so they it was almost like I look at you and I see God, you know, you look at me and you see God, we don't see flesh and blood. But then when they came, they, they made the decision to follow the fork tongue, the deception and the, deli- and the lies, it brought in sin and sin is not of God. So that separated them. You know, it was like a pulling apart of the flesh, which, you know, kind of, um, Not kind of, but it, 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 it leads to, um, how God views divorce, Uh, (coughs) um, excuse me, how he views divorce, um, it's important for us, it's important for us to wait on God, uh, wait for God to send the, our lifelong mate Um, Trust him for his decision because he knows that person better than you know that person, right? And so because once you are married, you become one flesh, right? And then divorce is the same thing that happened right here in this instance it was a tearing almost of flesh it was like a ripping apart like how do you know um, you know if you split a body in half how do you know uh, that area of skin goes with the left side versus this part of the skin goes with the right side I'm giving you like a visual picture but this was what was happening in the spirit like he had put fully put himself God fully put himself into Adam and Eve so now he has to separate in a sense from himself how do you make that decision right and so this helps us to understand that God loves us with an everlasting love he wants us around. We look at how he designed everything. He wants us around. Um, he loves protecting us, which is why he gave the instructions, don't eat from the tree. He was protecting them. He loves providing for us. We talked about how he created the whole environment and how it would run and, and they wouldn't need jobs. They wouldn't need to worry about watering or or anything. Like he he provides richly. Um, nothing between us, so Genesis three and seven it says they knew they were naked. naked is the ultimate form of vulnerability like it n- we're exposed, we're one with God um, and then they'll knowing now like becoming aware that they were naked, and they fastened, so that were they they fastened leaves and made their own covering well god is designed to be our covering and so again this was like what what's happening so it's it's almost like what we're looking at is the breakup scene in the movie and it's like this 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 relationship that is was just amazing and wonderful and then you're like oh no they made the choice to you know go out and have coffee and then it led to that with someone else when they should have came home to their husband or wife you know it's kind of like that um, and so you know we're seeing now the thing that God wants and delights in doing for us they Adam and Eve started doing it for themselves they were no longer dependent on God they no longer trusted God and how do we know that because in in verse 8 Genesis 3 and 8 it says they heard the voice of the Lord and and that's the Lord is who they had relationship with so they heard the voice of the Lord but now they hid they kept to themselves hidden from the presence of the Lord. So who they used to have relationship with, they were now hiding from. Um, Shame, right? Condemnation, guilt. I did this thing or I keep doing this thing and I've gone to God so many times. Surely he's not gonna keep forgiving me every time. I keep going for the same thing. So let me get myself together. And then I'll go to God. Let me get better, right? Let me fashion my own leaves, right? And and create my own covering and hide out for a little bit and then I'll go to God. That's not what he wants us to do. And and that's because he tells us in verse 9, God called to Adam and he said, "Where are you?" And he's not asking him like, "Where are you in the garden? Are are you over there by the the water or the are you with the animals? Are you That's not what he's asking. He's asking what happened that you made this decision? Who told you that I won't forgive you if you ask me the first time or the thousandth time. Who, who made you believe that? That's not even my sound. That's not how I sound. That's, you've walked with me. You know my sound. You've rested and trusted and you took pleasure in my sound. Why is it different now? Why are you not with me? why, why do I feel this loss? That, that's what God was having. That, that's, that's where he was at. And so we, we kind of, you know, the rest of it and, you know, he goes into the, the curse and all of that stuff. But even in God sending Adam and Eve out of the garden, they couldn't stay in the garden because sin was now in them and sin can't be a part of kingdom, right? But, That's where God's redemption plan comes. We're going to talk about that in a few seconds uh, and then wrap it up. But even in him sending Adam and Eve out of the garden, he's still displaying his love because he provides for them in the wilderness. So he doesn't just kick them out and just done with you. He doesn't do that. And not only does he provide for them in the wilderness, right the same way he provided for them in the garden it just looks a little different because now they they have these this ship, you know they have this these consequences but it also as he's pronouncing the curse he's it's it's like prophetically speaking that there I already have a redemption plan of Jesus because he talks about the the heel bruising um, the head I have this redemption plan and it's Jesus that's going to come along and once that's done, all of this will be rectified and I will be able to bring my love, my first love back into fellowship and relationship with me in the end, in the garden. And so he wanted Adam and Eve to make the decision to choose him and live in relationship with him. When sin entered, there was the plan of redemption to restore us back to relationship and fellowship. That's through, through Jesus Christ, which is through salvation. And he will never, God never stops pursuing us. You guys, he never stops. Even until the last days, he Still pursuing us because he loves us that much. And this is a beautiful picture of truth in love that only comes from being with God first, who teaches us to love ourselves and then love others by the way he loves us. So how do we know how God truly feels about us? Because we said he doesn't have feelings, right? If you go to Jeremiah 29, 11, he talks about the plans he has for us. Psalms 139 is a beautiful birth story. So if, and I've talked about this multiple times, I have so many questions around my birth, right? So many different stories I've gotten from different family members, you know, which of course we know the underlying was the behind the scenes was the enemy um but what gave me that final that sound perspective of my being here was psalms 139 matthew 10:29 through 31 um talks about your great value to god how he values you first peter 2 and 9 You are a chosen generation. Ephesians 1, 4 through 5, he chose you even before the creation of the earth, right? So even before he created this great garden, he chose you. Deuteronomy 31 and 8, he goes before us. That's that protection, right? And then Romans 8, 38 and 39 is nothing shall separate us from how much God loves us. So again, it's a decision. God wants us just like when we're in, in, in our everyday relationships, we want that person to choose us. We don't want to strong arm anyone into relationship, whether it's business or romantic or whatever it is, we want them to be there by choice. That's the same way it is and even more so with God. He wants us to make the choice when we're presented with the forked tongue sound and the sound, the single sound of God. He wants us to choose him every day. Time. And so that's the difference between obedience and disobedience. And that's why that whole situation between even the serpent um, made such impact, is because it separated from God what He wanted to be eternally connected with. And the way we have another opportunity for that to take place is through salvation, through accepting Christ. So again, in episode nine, um, Turning the Corner, we talk about salvation and go through a little bit. I'm going to record one that is just solidly on salvation. Um, for you guys. But if you go and you listen to that at the end of that episode is the prayer of salvation for you to be eternally with God to secure that you have eternal salvation. And then every episode after that, um, episode 10, and then last week's episode 11, um, just further talks about relationship and choices and decisions and and trusting being spirit led and all of that. So I thank you guys for joining me for another another week and um, yeah I want you to stay tuned because I have a little bit of an announcement I'm gonna do that separate if you want to hear the announcement keep listening if you don't then this is the end of this week's episode and uh, I will talk to you soon be safe with your families and you know make the best decision that's for you I know a lot of places are opening up And so just make the best decision for you and your family. All right. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Hi, you guys. This is Indy. And I just want to thank you uh, for listening to this week episode. And and every week, uh, we've been here for over a year now. And so, of course, you know, I've been sharing for the last couple of months how, you know, I've just really been in prayer and talking to God about, you know, just different changes I'm believing that he's saying about, you know, the platform and um, the direction that I go with my business and <laughs> all of that. So I'm excited to announce that um, Just a Moment with Indy will still continue. It will still air every Monday, new episode every Monday. And uh, but we're doing a name and a platform change Um, We are really focusing on just really understanding, getting into the Word of God, understanding just clearly what it means. Not a lot of information just packed on, but just getting a clear, um, I guess, simplistic understanding. Of, or not simplistic, a thorough understanding of God's word. So, we'll be talking about, you know, just the, some of the hard questions salvation, understanding, you know, the difference between God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, characteristics of Satan, how he attacks us, how we can fight effectively, um, how to read the Bible, how to understand scripture, how to pray scripture, just a mul- multiple, um, Things just so for the purpose of you being able to walk and, in truth and to um, not feel defeated or frustrated or disappointed. And um, so this platform will be going through a name change and, and the new name will be Anchored in Transforming Truth podcast. So it will no longer be just a moment with Indy because the focus is shifting from Indy uh, and we want to focus it on God and God's truth for our, our lives. So Anchored in Transforming Truth. Uh, the acronym for that is AIT, A-I-T-T. And just, you know, showing how amazing God is, you know, the biblical meaning behind the number eight is new beginnings and so um just really focusing on those that have never known the word of god and so to just break it down so that they could get that clarity and understanding um, and also, those that may have walked in the word or even taught the word, um, just really learning how to get into the, those fibers or that finite detail of God and God's word so that you can live from a powerful perspective. So, I'm excited about it. I hope you will share with your family and friends. Again, it will be the same platform, uh, same airing on Monday and um yeah so i wanted to share that with you so uh, i pray that you will stay with me and just continue as god is speaking to me and he's teaching me i am bringing it to you as he says bring it um so that we can do the work on the earth to set the captive free uh, because I know that God desires that no man should perish and no man will ever have to live permanently separated from him from him and so we know that this is the time that as we can we share the good news of the gospel of transform transformation with as many as we can. All right. So again, thank you guys for joining me for this episode. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. All right. Bye bye.